Welcome to the Different Skill Notebook. My name is Anna Anselma and I am your host. Today we're going to just continue our series on executive functions, specifically on cognitive flexibility skills. Before I get started on that, I want to uh, encourage you to look at our website, Social Mind Center, www.socialmindcenter.com. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram. Uh, please check our website. We have a specific parent connection section and an educator section where you can find details and supporting documentation and resources that will supplement the podcast. Um, I also look forward to having guests, which will be professionals at my center and parents who have um, been with us for a very long time and have benefited from our curriculum and our programming and would like to share some of their thoughts with you. We have started the, um, the podcast with the executive function series, Cognitive Control. And the reasoning behind that is we believe and we understand from all best practices and research that executive function and cognitive control are really skills that are required for learning, adaptability, self-sufficiency. So when these skills or certain skills under this category are weak, it impacts learning. It impacts social competency. It impacts adaptation and self-sufficiency. So it's best to start with that skill group. For example, if a child is not able to self-regulate, it is going to impact their acquisition of language, reading, and any type of learning. So today we're going to discuss cognitive flexibility, and we're gonna start by defining what is cognitive flexibility. And um, the definition for it is to move freely from one situation to, to the other. So you have ease and transition, you have, you're able to shift mindsets, meaning you're able to consider more than one response to a situation and you're able to sustain your attention or shift your attention depending on the different demands that occur. So people that are flexible just kind of go with the flow and with change, right? So what does it look like uh, when a child is unable to transition or shift to mindsets and is inflexible? Well, as we call it in the center, we feel like it looks like the child's on their own agenda 24 seven. They're driving their own agenda. And it looks different depending the child's skill set, right? You have children that are on the autism spectrum and maybe have limited language. So this looks like repetitive, perseverative behavior, like they're stuck on the same activity, doing it over and over again. Now, when a child has language or they don't have autism and they have ADHD or they don't have either diagnosis, it looks more oppositional and defiant. And we kind of debate at the center all the time the diagnosis of oppositional defiant disorder because it's truly a lack of cognitive flexibility, right? The child has difficulty transitioning and gets stuck. Um, earlier on in my career, I used to call it brain jams. The, the brain is jammed up and it, it's like a transmission in a car and it will not move from park to drive. So it can look oppositional defiant i.e. the diagnosis oppositional defiant disorder. So it really looks like a behavior. The child has a difficulty taking turns. 
they're not really interested in group play because usually when you have a group of kids, it's very disorganized play or it shifts very quickly from one activity to the other. But it can also look like creative and inventive. Some of our kids at the center are very attracted to the arts, so they can spend hours painting. Um, other kids spend time building or creating. And I have children that invent things and they're very innovative. When they have those periods where they're really hyper-focused on this activity, the challenge with that is transitioning out of those activities, right? So I also have to say that cognitive inflexibility can be impacted by anxiety. And sometimes it's difficult to splice. Is it anxiety or is it inflexibility? Because when you're really anxious, you seek to control your environment. You can be inflexible because you're afraid or you're worried. You lack clarity of mind and you can be a little cloudy or, or foggy in your thought process. So you may not be able to immediately jump into a transition or to a change or to follow directions because when you're really, really anxious, sometimes you can't even really hear straight. So, but we, we will get into anxiety and how it impacts executive function skills. But today I just really wanna focus on defining cognitive flexibility because it, it is really misconstrued, especially in a classroom and by parents, um, because it just all looks behavioral, especially if the child has a great skill set. They have great language uh, or lots of language. It really just looks like the child is uncooperative. But the most important thing is it is a barrier to learning and it is definitely a barrier to social competency and socialization because social situations continuously shift. And if the child is not able to shift with the conversation, with the activity or with the group, they're gonna have really difficult time engaging in social situations and being successful in social situations. They may be perceived as bossy or the child that's always trying to control the game and doesn't wanna take turns or doesn't know how to lose in a game or is unwilling to play certain games unless they're played the way they prefer the game. So it can be a really big obstacle to socialization. So we wanna have a good understanding of this skill because it's important. and. Depending on the level of inflexibility of your child, whether it's very high or mild or only in certain environments, you definitely want to work on this skill on a daily basis. And there's there's a systematic way to do that. It is not the type of skill that you can go to therapy once a week or you can have a coach and once a week this is going to increase the skill. It needs to be across environments and consistently and repetitively introduced to the child. So what happens with cognitive inflexibility in a classroom, the teacher thinks it's behavioral, it's oppositional defiance. So they try to go to a either a punishment system or a reward system of stickers, but yet it may drive the behavior a little bit, but long-term it doesn't work, right? So with cognitive inflexibility, you need to work on increasing the flexibility. And that may not necessarily be done with a chart or a, rewards because the child is either missing information that they need right to expand their perspective so this is how cognitive inflexibility impacts socialization it impacts the expansion of perspective and the understanding that people have different agendas than you and that you need to collaborate with them 
right? So it kind of clashes. So the child is missing information and they're missing instruction on perspective, right? They also need um, assistance with transition because their mind doesn't shift easily. So they need a support system to help them transition. And usually having this child on a schedule that they're a participant in, of course, you create the schedule together, allows them to see what's next on the schedule and helps them transition their mind, advance notice, like check your schedule. Um, Did you check your schedule today? We're gonna do these three things and we just finished this one thing and we're gonna be moving on to that next activity, right? And involve the child in the process, especially if the child has great difficulty with shifting mindsets. You want to bring them in and give them choices, right? Now, I want to say that when you're cognitively inflexible, it really impacts socialization because you get stuck on certain thought process and certain feelings. And it's difficult for you to hear, to see, and to pay attention to your social surroundings because a lot of times you can be in your own head. And I find that these kids that are on their own agenda, I have a lot of clients that are very, very, very intelligent and they have a lot of great ideas and they're kind of in their mind, in their own mind. So this makes it difficult for them to pay attention to their surroundings and to learn from their surroundings and to listen to their peers. Therefore, their peers are not always really hip on hanging out with them because they always feel like, oh, this kid is so on their own agenda. They never listen to what we have to say. So it really impacts socialization. And when they're younger, the impact may not be as great as when they get into those later elementary school years where where kids really kind of start to group by their um, preferences and their likenesses, right? So they like a certain activity or they like certain movies. And this child has a difficulty shifting to those group ideas because they have their own ideas, right? So the idea that you want to look at how inflexible is my child so that you know what level of intervening you need to do. And the way I measure these skill deficits is intensity and frequency. Everyone says, oh, my kid is on their own agenda or they prefer that game If people don't want to play that game or my child is so brilliant that, you know, very few people understand them. I, I understand that, but you want to look at intensity and frequency. What is the intensity or the lack of your child's flexibility, right? Like if you introduce a new food, do they completely flip out? Or if you say there's a change in the schedule, do they completely have a meltdown, right? So what's the intensity, the size of the meltdown, the size of the pushback, right? And then how frequently does it happen? Is it an all day thing? Continuously all day for every change or every transition, there's difficulty. Well, then clearly there is a very high skill deficit there that needs to be addressed, right? Because this child's going to block learning. They're not going to want to learn about certain things because their own mind is not allowing them to embrace or be teachable, right? So it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And In my next episode, I will discuss strategies for increasing cognitive flexibility on a daily basis and how you need to incorporate this in your environment, across environments consistently and repeatedly for the child to continue to build flexibility. And I like to equate it a lot 
to physical training, right? Like if you want, if you're very inflexible, your body's very inflexible and very rigid, you're more apt to get injured, right? So athletes are always stretching and stretching is such an important aspect of athletics and running. So you want to stretch and you, over time, how frequently you stretch, your flexibility increases, right? So it's kind of like yoga. The more you do it, the more your body is able to relax and flex, right? The less you do it, the more rigid you are. So just keep that in mind. In our next episode, um, we're going to discuss ways to increase cognitive flexibility. This this is a very important topic for us in the center because I would say this is what pretty much the number one skill that parents come to us that their child is struggling with this skill and it's really impacting them socially, right? So I'll give you an example. We have this child and I'm going to call them, you know, Adam. And Adam is extremely intelligent, academically successful, very innovative, loves technology, is constantly dismantling computers and is very personable actually and very um, eloquent with his words and has a lot of language. However, this child tends to gravitate to a certain topic, to a certain interest and they're so persuasive they can pretty much get the whole group to ease into his interests because technology is really something all kids are interested in currently, right? So this child is always pretty much getting um, everyone to be interested in whatever video games or whatever technology he's tinkering with. And he's able to teach kids or advanced skills in gaming and in different areas. So that's wonderful. There's a common ground. However, if anyone in the group wants to shift to another topic it's difficult. This child has very, very set agenda throughout his day. So if anyone introduces anything different, it's going to be a challenge. And because this child is so intelligent and they have so much language and they have such a great skill set, they're really viewed, Adam is really viewed as oppositional and defiant maybe possibly obnoxious and rude sometimes. So you definitely don't want your child to get a moral diagnosis, like Dr. Atwood says, um, or or more so a behavioral, like a child who is just completely non-compliant because they're lacking a skill like cognitive flexibility. And I'll end on that, which is the case of what happened to Adam. You know, there were some teachers that really saw his strengths over his weaknesses, but then there were times where he was really, really, really inflexible and disruptive to the class because he was really stuck on their own agenda. So in our next session, we will discuss how to increase cognitive flexibility across environments for your child to truly embrace adaptability and be more successful around across environments i look forward to that time and please check out our website we have several articles on cognitive flexibility and there will be some new articles posted this week